Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Conversations podcast channel. Our conversation today will shed light on how to know when you have achieved financial freedom and the steps you can take in order to do so. Joining me for the conversation today are Ainsley Carbone, Total Wealth Strategist Americas, as well as Justin Waring, Investment Strategist Americas, both with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So Ainsley, Justin, welcome back to the podcast. Good morning and looking forward to our conversation today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So Ainsley, I know the latest Modern Retirement Monthly publication, which I will say up front is now available for our listeners and especially our clients on UBS.com forward slash CIO. The publication talks about the concept of financial freedom. So Ainsley, from your vantage point, what does financial freedom mean to you and what does such status enable? Thank you, Dan. Yeah. So the, the specifics of financial freedom can really mean different things to every individual. But I'd say it, it often really just means that you've saved and invested enough assets to support your desired lifestyle for the rest of your life. And it means that you don't need the income generated from work or your employment in order to support that lifestyle. So it's working because you want to, not because you have to, not because you're relying on a paycheck. I find it helpful to frame the conversation around financial freedom rather than focusing on retirement, because the definition of retirement, the action of leaving employment and seizing work, eludes the idea that after a retirement date, employment ends in, ends entirely. But in reality, a lot of individuals really enjoy what they do for work and don't necessarily want to stop working if they don't have to. So most people really just want to have options. They want to have options that aren't going to be limited by their financial situations. And so if you can focus on achieving financial freedom rather than retirement, it helps just open the conversation to many other possibilities when it comes to your financial freedom that may be more realistic and more preferable. Thank you, Ainsley. So financial freedom, a status that many of us strive to achieve during our working lives. Uh, Justin, how is financial freedom calculated exactly? And how do you know once financial freedom has been achieved? Uh, good morning, Dan, and thank you again for having us. The, the, the basic calculation for financial freedom is ensuring that regardless of what the market gives you over the course of the rest of your life, uh, your assets are going to be able to support your spending. And so what we use is a full financial plan uh, that in- integrates something called a Monte Carlo analysis. It's basically running thousands of simulations of possible market environments, uh, taking into account your spending out of your accounts to make sure that your spending is not depleting your retirement before you pass away. And our uh, analysis in this paper is essentially looking at people uh, living through the age of 100 and asking the question, um, are they able to retire or or, or stop uh, gathering their income at a given age and not run out of money uh, before they pass away at the age of 100? Uh, And so that's the basic analysis. We're we're targeting usually about an 85% probability of success. And the way that we interpret probability of success is that um, essentially if you never adjusted your spending habits in reaction to a really poor market environment, um, there's a chance that you could run out of money. But the the remaining 15%, the the, the 15% probability of failure is not usually a catastrophic failure. It just means that you – you may need to cut your spending slightly, maybe by 5% or 10% during very difficult periods, and then you can go back to spending as normal. Um, and so, you know, ultimately our analysis of, of retirement readiness and financial freedom 
um, is a lot more detailed than that. But for the purposes of this paper, we really focused on targeting that 85% probably of not running out of money before the age of 100. Thank you for that color, Justin. So perhaps putting this into practice, I know Ainsley, within the publication, there is an interesting case study which examines the lifestyles of two individuals and how a series of decisions or tendencies when it comes to saving, spending, investing, they yield different outcomes over the span of their working lives. So can you spend a few moments to take our listeners, our clients through that case study? Yes, absolutely. So like you said, in the case study, we look at two hypothetical investors, Henry and Michelle. They're both starting out their careers at age 22, and they're in nearly identical situations, meaning they earn the same income, live in the same city, and same financial situation. So in year one of their careers, they're both spending 80% of their after-tax income, and they both save and invest 20% of their after-tax income, and they're saving and investing that for retirement. After the first year, they both receive an equal increase in their income. However, like you said, they have the different spending behaviors, which increase or excuse me, impact their outcome. So after the first year, they receive an equal increase in their income. However, instead of linking her spending to her income, Michelle decides to allow herself to spend 2.2% more each year, which allows her to maintain her lifestyle relative to inflation. Whereas Henry, he's going to follow the hedonic treadmill behavior, which means he increases his spending in line with his income growth. And so he maintains a fixed savings rate of 20%. And as a result of this hedonic treadmill behavior, Henry saves and invests less than Michelle does. So if we fast forward to when Henry and Michelle are 65, we find them in drastically different financial situations at the point that they reach retirement. At age 65, Henry can retire. But working and saving two more years or cutting his retirement spending by 7% would bring him to a more comfortable point financially, which in the report, uh, we, we were trying to target an 85% probability of success, just like Justin had just mentioned. But Michelle, on the other hand, at, at 65, she had ended up saving way more than she had needed to maintain the lifestyle that she was targeting. So she could have actually retired at, at, uh, at age 50, which was 15 years earlier, um, alternatively, she could have retired at 65 and just increased her spending significantly. This could have resulted in a higher standard of living throughout retirement, or she could have given to charity and still not run the risk of outliving her assets. So she still could have been in the range of an 85% probability of success. So these two spending behaviors that we look at in the case study, they're, they're at two different extremes, and they're not really very realistic for most people. It's more likely that most pre-retirees will find themselves somewhere in between where Henry and Michelle's behavior is. And and most people are going to find that their spending behavior changes over time as their income changes, their consumption needs change, or they go through different life events. But the case study, you know, it, it really just helps to show that overspending today to enjoy a higher standard of living as your income grows, that's going to make it more difficult to afford a comfortable retirement. And it may force you into a situation where you have to work longer and or reduce your standard of living just to avoid running out of money later in life. And it also helps to show that if you can spend prudently today, it's going to make retirement more affordable and therefore a more affordable retirement is going to be a lot easier to achieve. And it'll just give you more options later in life, like possibly retiring earlier, living a higher standard of living, or having more wealth to give to your family. 
Well, thank you, Ainsley, for taking us through that case study. It really is interesting to see how over the span of many years, a series of decisions can result in very different outcomes when it comes to lifestyle during one's retirement years. So, Justin, as a follow-up, what are some strategies that our clients should consider and can even discuss further with their financial advisor that will help them to achieve financial freedom? Yeah, it's a good question. And I think it's important first to note that both of the people we looked at in the case study started saving 20% of their income at age 25, or sorry, 22. Um, and, you know, for many people, that, that itself might be difficult to do. But what's really important, you know, is to begin saving early. The earlier you start saving, the more value you get out of investment compounding uh, by the time that you retire. And so it's really important to start, start saving whatever you can as early as possible um, and it gives you, an, you know, something to build on. It gives you, you know, some investment return as well. Um, so that's that's, you know, advice number one. Advice number two is just as we showed through the case study, it's important to maintain your lifestyle, and and, and therefore you do you do need to give yourself some, you know, budget increase every year to account for higher inflation and the changing mix of your spending. But try not to, you know. You know, try not to increase your spending by the same amount as your wage. Um, in, pr- in prior analyses and in other reports you might see, you know, online, um, they often talk about a savings rate, saving a certain percentage of your income. But I think this this uh, case study in this report helps to show that uh, dissociating your income from your your spending is really important. Um, you should be increasing your savings rate, meaning saving an ever-increasing percentage of your income as you go through your career, um, you know, if you're really trying to sort of maintain your lifestyle. Um, and that's a really powerful, uh, you know, impact on your retirement readiness and your financial freedom. Um, so step number three, of course, is, you know, especially in, in an environment where remote work is, is, is more of a possibility, the cost of living uh, where you choose to live uh, has a major impact on your budget. And so if you have any flexibility on where you just where you decide to live and work, it can have a meaningful impact on your take home pay with regard to taxes and on your cost of living with regard to rent or the cost of a, of a home. Um, and so, you know, Obviously, education goes a long way to having that flexibility. Higher educated individuals are more likely to have the option to change locations or to work remotely. Um, and this can have a really big impact on your career and your, and your financial success. Uh, so if you can work remotely, take this opportunity to, to shop around for places where housing is more affordable, taxes are lower, the environment is more tailored to, to your living rather than working needs. At the end of the day, um, you know, where you choose to live is now somewhat disassociated from where you choose to work. Um, you know, obviously, many families already consider this type of relocation in the years leading up to retirement and in retirement. But if you're able to do it sooner, you can potentially supercharge your saving strategy and it might be able to improve your quality of life as well. Uh, and the fourth and last step that we recommend is, of course, to grow and protect your human capital, which is sort of your, the value of your future earnings. Invest in yourself to, to get a higher earning stream and protect your earning stream by insuring yourself against the risk that you might be out of work through disability insurance and, and life insurance. Um, of course, you know, the most important, ca- the most important investment that you have for most of your life is yourself. So getting the right education, building the right school skills, uh, these are all elements that will help you boost your income potential in the future. 
and give you more flexibility down the line as you consider uh, either entering retirement or changing your career to focus less on income and more towards, uh, you know, the things that you're passionate about. Well, thank you, Justin, for sharing that guidance with us, those considerations. And I know we're beginning to come to the end of our time together today. And Justin Ainsley, you've left our audience with a lot to consider, especially those who are earlier on in their working lives. So before we close out the podcast for today, Justin Ainsley, any final thoughts or takeaways you would like to share with our audience? Yeah, I'd say it's important to keep in mind that whatever you decide today, what financial freedom looks like to you in the future, it's going to change likely. A lot of things are going to happen over your lifetime, and this is particularly true for anyone who's at the earlier stages of their life or at the earlier stages of their career. But it's really just helpful to think about it today because as you begin thinking about it, it's going to allow you, it's going to give you the information that you need in order to create a plan that's that's more realistic to you and it's going to be um, structured in a way that just helps you achieve what you want to achieve. And then as you progress through life and that picture or that, that, um, that idea of financial freedom is going to change, you can just easily adapt your plan as you evolve through life. Um, so just keep an open mind and, and realize that it's going to change and just kind of accept those changes and continue to work with your financial advisor as you as you go through that process. And I, and I would just add that um, a lot of these decisions about saving or spending can be done automatically. Setting up a direct deposit to make sure that the your paycheck goes directly into investment accounts and gets invested directly can be really useful. Um, so make sure that your paychecks are flowing automatically into your retirement account and your investing account and your savings account, and then leave the remainder in your spending account. Um, basically lower the hurdle to save to, to, to saving and raise the hurdle to spending more than your budget. This can be really impactful. And the other, the other last element I would mention is that it's much easier to control your, the, the rise in your spending throughout your career than it is to accept a really big cut in your spending at any given point. Uh, you know, it hurts about twice as much to cut spending as it does to never increase the spending in, in the first place. Um, and so really watch out for your habits. Try to control recurring spending. Um, you know, it's, it's harder to, it's a much easier later to cut your discretionary expenses than to cut the expenses that, that are kind of recurring. So like, it's a lot easier to not buy another donut every day than it is to um, cut your rent by 10%. Uh, so, you, so at the end of the day, um, make sure that you're focusing on automating your spending and saving decisions uh, to make hard decisions and good behavior, uh, you know, hard, hard decisions more difficult and good behavior easier. Well, Justin and Ainsley, thank you again for joining our listeners, our clients for what has indeed been a valuable conversation this morning and very much looking forward to catching back up again with you both soon. But thank you again for your time and insights today. Appreciate it. Thank you, Dan. Absolutely. And again, today we have been joined by Ainsley Carbone, Total Wealth Strategist Americas, as well as Justin Waring, Investment Strategist Americas, both with the UBS Chief Investment Office. As a reminder to our clients and listeners, the UBS Chief Investment Office does author a variety of publications and blogs that touch on timely market developments, asset classes, and portfolio allocation. These resources can be located on UBS.com forward slash CI including the publication that Ainsley and Justin have been making reference to during our conversation this morning, the Bonner Retirement Monthly publication titled How to Save for Financial
financial freedom. For clients of UBS, you can also contact your financial advisor if you would like to learn more about today's topic or to receive a copy of the publication directly. Top of the Morning is part of the UBS Conversations podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer. 